Welcome to episode number one of the Grad Blogger Podcast, where we help academics build businesses and change the world through blogging, podcasting, and video. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney, and I'm really excited to have you here. This is the, the first episode of our podcast. It's something that I've been looking forward to doing for over two years now. And to start with, I wanted to have the opening podcast not really be about me. So we'll talk about my origin story in a more detailed approach in a later podcast. But for the time being, it's kind of suffice to say that I am a recent PhD graduate. I graduated in April of 2018. I took seven years to finish my PhD. And towards the end of that, I started writing and blogging about my research. I now own my own research company in that area called DustX Research Limited that talks about increasing awareness and education in my research field and in the industries I rely on the information from my research field. So GrabBlogger in general, and this podcast will really be about helping you create a blog about your research, podcast about your research, shooting video. And I really want this to be tactical in the sense that I want to give you how to, what to, and what you need to do. I'm not really, that kind of rhymed actually. I'm not really so much into the really high level processes. I just want to show you the actual steps that you need to do to, to make this a reality and a possibility in your work. So in this podcast, we'll do different types of episodes. These first three are really focused on the three key elements I see to growing a research blog, which are content, community, and change. And in these three, you'll hear only my voice. We'll also do interviews. Maybe we'll do chop-ups of bringing people on, multiple people on for guest interviews and things like that. And we'll also do a lot of how-to information. And as I mentioned, we will go through my origin story in more detail. You'll see some come up in these early podcast episodes, but I will kind of couple in, at least show you the whole process that I went through. If you want to hear more about my story, you can go to gradblogger.com. I have a lot of posts there, and you can check out the About page. And dustsafetyscience.com is actually my main website for my research company now. So why content? Why content creation strategies for starting your research blog? Why is that the first podcast episode? I'm a firm believer that you really have three steps to growing a relevant blog in your field, whether that be through writing a blog, whether that be through podcasting or creating video, whatever the medium is. But those three steps are creating content, developing and fostering a community around that content, and then looking to, to have that as one kind of big vector to focus on the change you need in the world. So I call these the three C's, content, community, and change. And that will actually be the three topics of these first three podcast episodes. So once you get done this episode, I encourage you to go on to the next one, which will be about how do you create a community around your blog, and then the one after that, which will be about change. And we'll actually get into some kind of heavy topics there, things like how do you deal with the fact that you may want to monetize your blog and build into a business? How does that result from you being an academic and maybe not wanting to go through a traditional path? But I want to start with content, because I think it's the, the very first most important step to get used to. So... That begs the question, why is the content step the most important? When I talk to other graduate students that are interested in this area, I always say that you need to get used to doing this. And there's really three key reasons. And this content doesn't have to be written, although that's a good place to start. But again, it can be audio, it can be video format, whatever you're most comfortable with. But the three reasons that you need to start with content is to actually start building up your own platform. So this is the home base. Normally, this would be a website. You can blog on things like Medium and um, even YouTube in different areas. But I would suggest that you start by creating your own website. And content's a big part to that. The second important part about content is that you need something to share. So I call this building your content machine, uh, which will be you at the start and probably you for quite a long time. And maybe you can bring in some other people later to help with that. Or maybe you can start reusing content 
We'll actually get into some of those advanced strategies at the end of this episode, so stay tuned for that. And then number three is the biggest roadblock stopping people from doing this sort of thing is not actually creating the content. It's shipping the content. I don't know how many times I've sat down and talked with graduate students that have actually have a blog and they've written a whole bunch of material. Maybe they have a course or something put together, but they're delaying on actually pressing the big red upload button or the big blue upload button or whatever it is in WordPress. This is the third part, practicing the ship muscle. I recommend the people that are interested in this area listen to the audiobook by Seth Godin, Leap First. It has a lot of really good tips on why you need to practice your kind of create and then your actual ship muscle. And I still get nervous. I'm going to get very nervous when I release this podcast episode with the other two on community and change. And then as we create more, moving into the building out the Grab Blogger website and Grab Blogger podcast. But the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. So those are three reasons why content's where you should start. You need to build up your own platform. You need to have something to share. A lot of times this will be on social media, but it could be elsewhere. It could be sharing in workshops, sharing with your peer groups or the, the groups in your research field. And yes, it could be sharing on Twitter. It could be sharing on LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever social platforms you're active on. Then the third one is practicing your shit muscle and getting good at creating content. And it is a muscle. It needs exercise. In order to actually do it, you need to be doing this every day, creating the content and shipping it, creating content and shipping it. This doesn't mean necessarily that you need to be releasing blog posts every day. And we'll get into what frequency you should be blogging at um, a little bit later in the podcast. So by this point, you're probably saying, okay, Chris, I get it. We need content if you want to build a blog, if you want to build a business and create change from communicating our research online. But what are the types of content? How can we go about actually creating that material? So for me on a very kind of meta high level, I see what I call AKCC. There's really four key areas that you need to be looking at in order to grow your blog. A is for awareness, K is for knowledge, C is for connection, and then the, the last C, I actually call it with two C's, um, creating change. So that's AKCC. When I started blogging about dust explosion research, which is a subset of industrial safety, which is a subset of chemical engineering, which was my PhD field, these are the kind of four key areas I highlighted. What is a dust explosion, you ask? Well, that's a good question. Most people don't know, and a lot of industries don't know, though it's a safety hazard in their field. I did all my research and my PhD in this area, and that's really the first key element that I highlight for content, is you need to be able to create awareness about your topic. This is great for a lot of different fields that you're doing research in, because the awareness is actually usually the lacking piece. Global warming, vaccinations, these are all really key areas that people are misinformed or misaware about. Knowledge is the second component. How do you share knowledge with the public, with other researchers, with industries that are using that information, and that's going to be a key kind of staple of your content. And then connection and change are really how you grow and do the next step. So a person comes into your blog, they become aware of the topic, they generate the relevant knowledge, but now who do they go to next? What's the next steps for them? In my case, that's often go to consulting, go to equipment providers to get industrial safety solutions. Um, that's how I connect through, but for you, it may be connecting to, say, an affiliate product or recommending a book for somebody to read. And then change is the, the kind of final part. And you won't really get this at the start, but a year or two years into creating this blog and creating this community around your research, you'll start to realize that you have a pretty big voice. And you can actually influence the change that you want to see in the world. And that's really where I'm at today with Dust Safety Science and DustX Research, my company, is we're looking at how can we influence change in these industries to avoid people being injured when a fire explosion occurs. And with that, I'm talking with industries that are in Africa, in China, in Germany, and here at home in Canada and North America as well. 
So that's kind of my, my high-level meta view of what the types of content are, awareness, knowledge, connection, and change. But how do you actually go about the actionable side to that? So there's all kinds of different posts, and a quick Google search of, of types of blog posts will probably reveal lists that are 20 or 100 long. But I like to, to talk about four key posts that really got me started. I also talk about these in a, the Grab Blogger Getting Started mini course. It's a 10-day email course that we have on the website that goes through things like picking your blog name, buying your domain hosting, how to set up the blog, how to make it look nice. And day five and day six are both on blog content strategies, where this information comes from. So the four types of posts then that I recommend that worked really well for my platform and I think will help yours as well are review posts, how-to posts, current news posts, and guest posts. So review posts are really the, the starting kind of line that I tell people to look at. In this case, you could be reviewing individual papers, could be reviewing textbooks, could be reviewing scientific concepts, so maybe just a chapter or subsection, and you could be reviewing things from your own life. The key here is that these are small focused on one specific topic. And you don't need to do a ton of research. It's really, I read a paper, here's a review of that paper. I learned a scientific concept, here's a review of that scientific concept. And the, the power here, the added value of this seems like you're not doing a lot, is actually if you collect a lot of these together, you can start to bring out the trends and the material from them. So if you have a bunch of scientific concepts, you create a section on your website that was, this is how you understand plant biology or, or whatever it is. But the individual posts are easier to create because you're focused on one topic. The second type of content that I recommend is how-to posts. So this is really how do you do different things that you're doing every day. If you work in a research lab, if you work as a, a historian doing research in, in libraries or through a textbook, you can actually, the things that you're doing every day, you can write up and explain how to do that, either to the layperson, again, to your contemporaries, to other people that belong in your, your social groups, to your lab mates, to other people around the world that are in your research field, and these posts usually take a little bit more work because you normally have to pull in, say, photos or you need to do some research on your own of different steps. But they're kind of a step above these review posts in the sense that they actually get actionable results for people. Another type of post that I really like is, is current news. So this could be conferences. This could be real-world events. In my case, I do this a lot on fires and explosions in these powder handling industries for dust explosions where I pull in recent things that happen in our field that are relevant to my audience and put a science spin on it or figure out why it happened or what the cause was. There's a really good tool for this called Google Alerts. If you just Google Google Alerts, you'll come up with it. Um, and you actually set alerts for specific keywords. So in my case, I have Google Alerts set for things like dust explosion, dust fire, grain dust fire, metal dust fire, and different things like that. And then each day or week, and I have mine set to weekly now, Google Alerts will send me a list of all the relevant news articles, all the relevant blog posts I've written on those topics, then I just take those and spin them off, add value to them, and send those out to my community. And then the fourth type of content that I recommend is guest posts. So we'll get into a little bit about my burnout story and how often I think you should be blogging, and then how guest posts played a role in that a little bit later in the, the podcast episode. But guest posts are also a really great way to go. You can lean on other people's information, other people's knowledge, and get them to share and put that on your, your website. And I've seen a lot of people do this with really good effect. But it's important to know that these are not zero effort. You often need to do editing. You often need to do reformatting. Sometimes they come in Word documents and you convert them to HTML format. And you need to make sure they fit with the, the style of the blog that you're trying to write and the message that you want to send to your audience. So those are the four types of content that I recommend. Review posts, how-to posts, current news posts, and guest posts for just getting started as, a, as kind of a blogger. And we'll talk about the strategies that you can use to create higher value content from these at the end of this episode.
So then you're probably stuck at, well, how do I actually find topics to write about? There's a couple key areas I like to do for this. One is just textbooks. I'll on Amazon, go to my topic, dust explosion, um, search for the textbooks available and actually just open up the table of contents. And a lot of the time the table of contents will be free either through Amazon or through Google books. And you'd actually look at all the topics that are there. And that will often on a, you know, 400, 500 page textbook, that will give you like five years worth of content to write about. And you're not going to go in and strip the content out of the textbook, but just gives you the topics. So say one of the topics was 2000th century Roman architecture or something. You could actually go take what's in that textbook and the other best topics around, combine that in to make the, the best post possible on that topic. Some other place I like to go are Quora. There's people asking questions on Quora every day about science topics and answerthepublic.com. If you go to that website, the, the guy there is kind of creepy, so sorry in advance, but there's a talking face guy. Uh, you'll, you'll see when you get there. He's kind of creepy. But if you go in there, you can actually type in a question or a topic, and it'll give you, it'll search Google for you and come up with questions that people are asking online every day. And the last place I recommend for, for getting topics is social media. So when you actually get all these topics, and again, social media could be Twitter, it could be LinkedIn, wherever's kind of relevant for your field and the people that you want to talk to are hanging out. So when you do this, you can take all this information, and what I do is I organize it into a Google spreadsheet, actually take all the topics and put it in one column. And you usually have, you know, 50, 100 topics. You're writing one blog post a week. Now you need 52 topics to cover a year. So you can usually get pretty far with this strategy. Then I like to go and do some keyword research. We don't, in this episode, won't be talking much about keyword research, but it is important to understand how SEO will impact, search engine optimization will impact your blog. So I'll go in and look at those topics and look for keyword rich titles to use. So I'll actually put the next columns keywords or important keywords, keywords that have high search volume. And after that, I'll come up with relevant titles. Then I'll save that information and come back and write blog posts about all those topics. So I want to take a bit of a detour and talk about one of the, the most frequently asked questions I get, which is how often should I be writing blog posts? Or even better yet, how often should I be releasing blog posts? Because you can actually write at a different frequency than you release. You just have to have more. So I'm going to tell you the short story and the long story on this. The short story is it doesn't matter. You need to do what's going to actually work for you that you can get done. And when you first create your blog, this isn't even a really good question to ask because nobody's actually going to read it. I'll repeat that again. When you put your blog online, when you press go, no one's going to read it except for the people you tell that love you enough to actually go look at it. It's very hard to get blogs started, and that's why a lot of people shy off. So it doesn't really matter how often you should be blogging if you don't have a blog yet. Get your blog up, and then you can start having that conversation. So the long story to this question, how often should you be blogging, is it actually matters a lot. So it's it's actually a really important question. And I know the short story is that it doesn't matter and long story is that it does matter. But the reason I say it this way, if we go back to our, you know, why content's important in the first place, the biggest thing you need to practice is that ship muscle, that content creation muscle. So you need to be doing it routinely and you need to have stuff to share to get people back to your blog. So what I kind of recommend is you need to take a really long-term view of this question of how long should I be blogging. And also keep in mind that it's going to fluctuate. So you can start it maybe once a week or twice a month, and you'll find that sometimes maybe you'll be able to do more, and sometimes you'll be able to do less. The question is, you need to be consistently creating content, and that way over time, if you take this long view, you'll get this really nicely built-up platform about your topic. So then I'd like to reframe the question to, how often should I be blogging today? And that's kind of a personal question. How often can you blog? How much can you fit into your schedule? And what's going to work best for you? And don't get too stressed about it. It's better to be consistent 
and not doing it as frequently than to really try to go too far and burning yourself out. So to kind of talk about that, I want to share my story of content creation. So I started my blog, which actually wasn't Dust Safety Science when it started. It was actually called MyDustExplosionResearch.com, which obviously is, is an excellently branded name. It's easy to say. It really rolls off the tongue. No, I'm, I'm kidding there. I'm not that great at branding. But it was easy to create a website that just got me started to begin with. So in August of 2016, I launched my blog, and I had one post in August. I had three posts in September, and I had eight posts in October. And that was pretty hard. Those posts were all kind of how-to content. They required me getting a lot of images, doing a lot of research. Um, I didn't really know about these strategies that I'm recommending today to you about review posts and current news posts. I didn't really start using those. But I did start to do something that changed the game. So in November and December, I did 40 blog posts in 56 days. So I started actually writing these review posts about journal papers. So each paper that I read every day, and as a PhD student coming into writing my thesis, I was reading a lot, I would make notes on the back of that paper. I'd summarize the three key main points, my biggest takeaway from the paper, and how it fit in with the other literature. Then every morning, I'd just take one of these papers from the stack and write a blog post about those notes. And since I had this really templated process, I actually had a template blog post I would copy and drop into WordPress, and I would actually write the notes that I've written on the back of the sheet. And these weren't really long posts. They're usually 300 to 400 words, but they were getting me creating content consistently. And I was able to get 40 blog posts out, one per weekday for those two months. That was really great. My website started to rank, especially for keywords relevant to these papers. So if you went and searched the title of one of these papers, you'd find that usually the, the publisher would be listed first, Elsevier, whoever it is. And then I'd be listed right after as a review of this paper. And who do you think people that are searching that paper are going to click on? Well, they might actually say, hey, this review is a pretty interesting thing. Let's take a look at that. And that started to get people back to my website early on a repeatable process that was pretty not that time consuming. I was really spending, you know, an hour a day and then an hour or two on the weekends to, to write those posts. But it took me three or four months to even get to realize that that's even a way to move forward. If you're interested in that process, I actually wrote a blog post on it. I think it's called How to Write 56 Academic Blog Posts in 40 Days. Actually, it's the inverse of that. How to Write 40 Academic Blog Posts in 56 Days. And we'll include that in the show notes. So the show notes for each episode, and I meant to say this in the introduction, will be at grabblogger.com slash the episode number. So the show notes for this episode will be at g-r-a-d-b-l-o-g-g-e-r, grabblogger.com slash one, the number one. For this episode and any subsequent episodes will be at again grabblogger.com slash that episode so if you go there we'll include links to that blog post we'll also include links to the mini the getting started mini course that we created um, and any other the, the other material that we've mentioned in this podcast episode so coming back to this question then of how frequently should i be writing this template structure is really great i was writing five posts a week but there's a downside when the new year hit i did my christmas break and i was really burnt out from writing i didn't actually release another blog post until march 2017, so for a couple months later. So I went from writing five times a day to then not being able to write at all. But I did practice this building this ship muscle. And when I got started again, it was with some really heavy hitting posts that we'll actually talk about in the next podcast episode on building a community. And this I did the first world's only and first roundup post summarizing the opinions of over 30 experts in my field. But we'll talk about that in the later podcast episode. Just to complete the story on this how often should I be blogging, I then went and actually was writing kind of once or twice a month. Eventually, I started doing these guest posts on my website. 
brought in one or two a month of those. That actually kept me through while I was writing my dissertation for the later half of 2017 and the start of 2018. Now today at Dust Safety Science, we actually release a lot of blog posts. I write them myself. We do a podcast episode every week. And then we actually also have a team that writes them. So we come up with probably 15 or so posts a week that are really part of our content generation machine now. So that's over kind of a three-year period, the different frequencies you could be blogging at. When you're just getting started, I'd recommend once a week's a good starting point. But again, it doesn't really matter. It's what fits best with you and what's going to get you practicing creating that or exercising that creating content and shipping muscle. So we talked about burnout a bit, and I went through this with writing blog posts, writing too many, and having kind of got fed up with this process before I was seeing success with my blog. So I want to talk about the top four tips that I have for avoiding this while you're creating content for your blog. So the first is to have a structured process. So in my case, I was writing every morning, the first hour that I had, I would write these blog posts. These, while I'm building out my business and grab blogger and safety science, I do my writings on Monday and Tuesday, and I do podcast recordings all day Thursday with the Safety Science Podcast, my other podcast, and then this one coming online now. So the first tip is to have a structured process, but doing things at the same time every day. The second thing is to have a template structure, especially at the time when you're getting started. One of the hardest kind of things on your brain is to work out the energy to figure out, okay, what should I write next? You have this template structure where you already know you have your list of topics, and you say, okay, this is the next one. I plop it into my templated blog post structure and throw that in there, then it really helps you get through that kind of initial hump of creating content. And again, you can go to the show notes for this, this post, how to write 40 academic blog posts in 56 days to learn more about that. The third advanced tip for avoiding burnout is to do your planning in one month chunks. And I recommend that people do one topic for the entire month. So that'd be four blog posts. Instead of jumping between a how-to type post and a review type post, and kind of, you know, shuddering between the two, focus on doing one month of the same type of content. And the biggest kind of objection to this is that, well, people will want variety for your blog. That's not really true. Most people, if you're in this for long haul, aren't going to read your blog posts in the order they come out. They're going to come in a year later and say, oh, this is great content on topic X, and they're going to read the ones that matter most to them. So it's better to make the process friendly to you and have the same kind of content going out for an entire month at a time. And then the fourth and most important tip for avoiding burnout is to get used to and practice reusing content. So we'll get into this. I'll probably have at least one, maybe multiple podcast episodes on this, on this concept that I call stacking content. So in my case, I did literature reviews. So I took these paper review posts I was doing, one every day. And I'd write, you know, I'd take 15 of them and stack them together. I'd write a literature review post, say this is the key findings from the science that's in these papers. And I'd actually take that review post and do a summary of it from an industrial side. So what does this mean to the industries involved? I'd post that on LinkedIn. I'd take that post and I'd create a slide deck and also post that on LinkedIn. So you can see how just the original post that you're doing, although each one is small, you can start to stack this content over time and one piece of content can go a long way. Similarly with these podcast episodes, I'm creating the audio for them. We'll probably strip those out to transcripts that you can download from the show notes. And then we'll probably take the topics and break that into individual podcasts as well. So that's everything I have today for this, this topic of content creation strategies for your research blog. Again, these are really the getting started content strategies. We'll do more on things like structured posts. Um, we'll talk about other more high-level content creation strategies moving forward. Um, the next two episodes will be focused on how to build a community around your blog. This isn't like a paid membership, although it could be. This is actually bringing people in, building a tribe around what you're doing, 
And then we'll talk about in the third podcast episode, which I encourage you to listen to all three back to back to back, would be change. So how can you change both your perspective of what this could be for you, but also what is the change that you want to see in the world and how can you actually get that out there into the world? So I'm going to release these episodes. The first three will be released at the same time. So this content community and change piece will already be there. If you're listening when it comes out, then you can just press next on your on your podcast listener and you'll be able to get to it. If you listen to this in the future, then you'll actually have a lot more content to look through as well. So I'd encourage you to listen through to the next podcast episode on community around your blog, creating community around your blog. And we'll actually be talking about the single most viewed post from my website over the last three years, which was a, a roundup post that generated 2,687 views since I actually released it for my website. So that's it for this episode of the Grab Blogger podcast on content creation strategies. I'd encourage you to go to the show notes, leave any questions you have at the bottom of the page. You scroll down, um, I'll answer every one. I can't wait to hear them and see them. And if you want to help support Grab Blogger and the work we're doing, please go to iTunes or the, the relevant platform that you're on and press like press follow or subscribe and throw a review in there that you actually like the content we're putting out and let us know that we're actually helping you. If you want to download a transcript of this episode, you can also do that from the show notes. And if you're feeling burnt out with your content creation, I will take the four advanced tips that we summarized, include those in a one page cheat sheet as well. So that's it for the first episode of the grab blogger podcast. I'm so excited to see where we can go and what we can do together as we build this platform in 2019 for change in academics that want to build businesses and blog about their research and the change that they want to see in the world. 